Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into the third tier of the Knight of Seven Kingdoms of the Dunkin' Egg Iceberg. And wow, there's still some good informational stuff. There's, there's a lot of stuff to ponder in this tier. And then by the end of the tier, I think we're starting to get into the real juicy details uh, for the Dunkin' Egg implications on uh, the rest of the series, which is going to be really cool. But Matt, how, how the hell are you, my friend? Hey, you know, I am doing good, man. You know, the best part about this tier, Jimmy, is that we've had our first disagreement, right? When we're So that's how you know we're getting into the nitty-gritty of it. Because yes. the same thing we did at our House of the Dragon when we're like, I don't know, man. That theory is quite, like crazy. <laughs> that's when you know, ooh, I, hey, I can start to see it. Because you presented one to me, and I was like, well, I've always just viewed it as that was almost like true. And now you got me hit spinning, and you're like, well, I guess I, I, well, I'll I, didn't, Matt? I didn't think about that. I'm going to tell you what, man, I love this series to death. I've read through it multiple times and I have devoured hours and hours of content, hundreds of thousands of hours, probably on the forums and everything else. And when we do research for these iceberg tiers, it blows my mind that even as of 2021, people are still coming up with new angles to things. And I'm not talking about absurd, far reaching ones. There is one in here that that convinced me a little bit and and i'm just like how has no one caught this yet and, and that's the cool thing is there is still right. details to dive into to ponder to consider uh and that's why i like doing these icebergs because you think you know something and then you go to prove it and what happens you end up maybe changing your mind a little bit yeah you know and as we've been doing our reread as well one of the things we're beginning to we've talked about that we've really enjoying is reading these chapters back to back because it feels like you know, everyone reads the series once straight through and then everyone just does it feels like everyone mostly just does pov reads because the series is so big and it's honestly an easier way to read it and in some ways it's more fun but man you really pick up on it and one of the cool things about this is that this series came out like with the books so the you know the hedge knight which is the first of the three tales we have came out with a clash of kings right and then it just continues on and you get to kind of see some of these things and man this is what he was thinking when he was writing this mm -hmm. and you know it's gonna like one of the ones i have today like connects directly to where he is writing a clash of kings yeah and that's you know what makes it so interesting to see you know george often martin obviously describes himself as a gardener and he's like well i just kind of go this way and then i go this way and you can see it you can see it in these theories yeah you can you can see when something catches his curiosity or his interest and then he kind of runs with it and thinks about all the sides of it and how can he pick this thing apart or piece a thing together and we talked about that last episode when we were talking about glamours and the implications of that for Melisandre and being able to see that in Blood Raven whenever he is a uh, Maynard Plum and all, all of that good stuff. So I think uh, I think these icebergs in general, not just are entertaining and informational uh, and wacky at some of the deeper levels, but it's also just a good useful tool to to reframe some of the stuff that we think we know um, about the future of A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, uh, Jimmy, I think you have, do you have the first one up here? Or no, I do. Okay, so. Yes, that is you good, sir. 
I will get it going here. So this is just a little more information, although it does have a little bit of sort of theories going on to it. And it's Duncan's connection to dragon dreams specifically. He does have show up in some other people's dreams or visions later, but this is just going to be focusing on the ones with the dragon. So in the hedge night, Duncan enters the tab enters a tavern where he meets a drunk man who yells at him and tells him that he dreamed of Dunk and he had better stay well away. Later, Dunk runs into the same person, and it's revealed to be Darren Targaryen, who is ultimately the brother of Egg, which is Aegon Targaryen. Darren tells Dunk of his dream and tells him, My dreams are not like yours, Sir Duncan. Mine are true. They frighten me. You frighten me. I dreamed of you and a dead dragon, you see. A great beast, huge with wings so large they could cover this meadow. If it had fallen on top of you, it had fallen on top of you, but you were alive and the dragon was dead. Now we know at the end of that story, Duncan the Tall is holding Baylor Breakspear, who fought alongside of him as he dies. Fast forward a little bit to the mystery night. John the Fiddler, who we know is actually Damon Blackfire the second. Duncan later has an encounter with John the Fiddler, who told him that Duncan had appeared to him in a dream where Duncan had worn the all-white armor of the Kingsguard. The Fiddler said his dreams always come true, stating that he had dreamed his brothers, he had dreamed his brothers dead once, and though they hadn't believed him, they had died. The Fiddler also informed Duncan that he had dreamed about a dragon egg hatching, or dragon hatching from an egg at the White Wall's tourney where they were. And, of course, we know that is sort of signified really almost as you can actually view it two ways. One is Egg, Prince Aegon, you know, sort of as he's been hiding himself as Egg this whole time, now coming out to kind of reveal himself and say, I am Aegon Targaryen. I am, you know, the son of King Makar, and I, and I am with, you know, Sir Duncan. I'm his squire because they've been kind of keeping the whole thing secret. You could also maybe view it, Jimmy, as something, you know, uh, we talked about last week, which is Maynard Plum. Right, who might be Blood mm -hmm. Raven, he could be coming out as well. So, there's a, you know, if you want to kind of go a different way with it, but Duncan does have these connection to dragon dreams. Yeah, it almost seems like he is a disturbance in the force and in, in some in yeah. some factors, and it, it's almost like he's not accounted for. And it does seem that a lot of Targaryens, uh, you know, should be on watch. <laughs> around duncan it seems like if they get associated with him uh they end up in precarious situations or uh, you know unfortunately with baylor breakspear he ends up dead in dunk's arms and one of the key quotes that i thought of while you were reading this is the fact that blood raven kind of says like i did not expect you to be here like i didn't account for you to be here and told him to leave and then dunk doesn't leave so it almost feels you know it's, and we know brendan rivers blood raven the three-eyed crow it, it at what point can the three-eyed crow manipulate the past that he's involved in? You see what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I did not expect you to be here. I didn't think you would be here. And it's like, is this a blind spot possibly for the three-eyed crow when he's sitting in the Weirwood network? Is that a thing? That's, it feels like Dunk is an X factor. And, and it's, it's no surprise that he ends up next to a Targaryen boy who we know will meet a tragic end at Summer Hall. And, Maybe Dunk is a bit of a wild card slash maybe curse for the Targaryens by the end. Uh, I don't know. But it, there, there's certainly dragon dreams that are associated with Dunk. 
and they're happening all around him and they seem to come true in the weirdest ways possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's clearly there's some kind of connection to dunk and these dragon dreams. Like why are people dreaming of him? Is it, you know, I mean, dragon dreams themselves is also like a weird, you know, path to go down. Are they, we've talked about this before, Jimmy, are they dragon dreams or are they green dreams? Are those separate? Right. Like, does what Bran have is that green sight? Is Dragon Dreams just green sight? We, or is it something of it, you know, different? Right. Because yeah. Danny has Dragon Dreams. John, we has dreams. Of course, in the books, that hasn't been revealed yet, but very likely, obviously, those are Dragon Dreams, but it could be green dreams, could be green sight. So, you know, there's, there's that as, as well to, to the, nature just of dragon dreams but is it because dunk may one day help in a dragon hatch from an egg right which might end actually just end up being Rhaegar because he might be the egg that hatches at at summer hall my god the the rabbit hole goes deep doesn't it <laughs> it does it, 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 it it's it never ends right i i, I always I, feel like these green dreams dragon dreams some of the warg dreams it almost feels like they're all of the same power and they're just given a different significance based on your class or family name or location in this world kind of how we've talked about the religion in, in this this world as well is that maybe the old gods, the new and the, you know, um, Lord of light, they're all somewhat of the same force and just interpreted and worshiped in different ways. That could definitely be a possibility for the dragon dreams and green dreams. Yeah. And dunk keeps showing up until, you know, and, and we've talked mm -hmm. about, uh, we, some people think dunk himself might be a Targaryen. Oh like my Targaryen goodness. Targaryen bastard just who was born into flea bottom. I have heard this before. Yeah. So, <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, you have the next one here. Yes. What happens to Lady Rohan Weber? During Duncan's attempt to defuse the feud between Eustace and Rohan, uh, Rohan, he and she developed a certain attraction. When he woke after nearly being killed in the trial by combat and found Rohan. Sorry, I uh, I almost said Rohan. I keep wanting to say Rohan. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's throwing me off. Oh, right. From like Lord of the Rings. All right. Yes. Yes. It throws me off every time. Uh, when he woke after nearly being killed in the trial by con uh, combat and found Rohan, I did it again. Rohan had <laughs> married Eustace <laughs> and then never visited him while he was recovering. Duncan felt rejected. On the day he left Cold Moat, Lady Weber tried to offer Duncan a place as captain of her guard, but he refused the offer. She then offered him one of her horses to give him something to remember her by, but Duncan refused that as well. At the conclusion of their argument, they kissed passionately, and Duncan cut off her famous braid to keep and remember her by. Lady Weber Lady Mary, later married uh, Lord Gerald Lannister and had four sons with him, twins Tywald and Tian, Tyan possibly, uh, Titos and Jason Lannister. Those Lannister names, tricky. I know. Uh, she was the grandmother of Lord Tywin, Sir Kevin, and Sir Tiget, Lady uh, Jenna, Lady Joanna, and Sir Stafford and Damon Lannister. Lady Weber disappeared under mysterious circumstances in 230 AC, less than a year after giving birth to Jason. What happened to her? Where did she disappear to? 
There's been a lot of speculation that Old Nan could be Lady Weber taking up the position in Winterfell. This would explain uh, Old Nan's recalling of Sir Dunk and possibly lead to explaining some of the other descendants of Duncan that we think we see close to Winterfell in the main series. However, the timeline isn't 100% lined up, and there's evidence to suggest that Old Nan met Dunk in 212 AC, whereas we know that Lady Weber disappeared in 230 AC, which gives us about 18 years unaccounted for, which would be hard to... Uh, to line those two timelines up. Another possibility and possible identity for Lady Weber is that she is the ghost of High Heart. In the Storm of Swords Aria chapter 8, or Aria's 8th chapter, we see Ghost of High Heart asking for a kiss from a great oaf in a yellow cloak. She recalls a sloppy kiss with a bit of tongue, and that it had been far too long since she had that kiss. In the Sworn Sword, the Duncan Egg novel, Another great oaf, our lovable Sir Dunk the Tall, kisses Lady Weber in a rough way that could be considered sloppy. Either way, the mystery of what happens to Lady Weber is definitely one we seek answers to in future books. Matt, I got to tell you, I was struggling to read those names today. What it's in the tough. world was yeah. that? Well, it happens sometimes. I trust me, I struggle with names uh, all, all the time. And I've been hitting the head too many times. Get upset with you and stuff like that. And especially because, you know, and sometimes in the book, like there's, there's the way you read it in the book. I and mean, we've said this before. There's the way they say it in the show. There's the way Roy Detrice reads it, which is totally different. And then George has his own pronunciation. Yes, he does. So you just go with it. You just you just roll with it. it is is what it is. But I have to say the thing that kind of I've just always sort of assumed in my mind that old Nan is Lady Rohan Weber. That's I I've had always, too. For that's years. I've always just viewed that that theory. And then you brought up the idea that it that she could actually be the ghost of high heart, which would kind of be interesting because her coming to court and everything, although everyone hates her, like that's kind of the thing is like everyone sort of hates the goat, this ghost of high heart. Cause they feel like she's feeding stuff to Jenny Voldstones. They don't really like her either. And, you know, they're present uh, at, at summer hall when, it, when everything happens and then she ends up hanging around. Now, the thing about, her being old Nan for me has always been like, well, she would be roughly the same age as Maester Eamon. So it could still work. They go, she goes North to the wall as well. And, but I mean, old Nan could just be a mystery of her own. There's a like, lot of other and, theories about old Nan and who she is though. There, there, there's some right. theories that she might <laughs> brace yourself be a uh, secret Targaryen. <laughs> there's, there's also one that says that she is the Frey girl from the first Duncan Egg novel that I can't remember the name of right now, but mm -hmm. there, there is some convincing evidence that I read earlier today, and I, I wish I had it up, uh, that she could be the Frey girl from that, that first Duncan Egg novel. So, I, hey, there's still yeah. hope that, that Nan has a secret. Also, what happens to old Nan in the main series, Matt? Like, we don't know. We don't know. Theon just thinks he th says, oh, she's probably dead. And then we're supposed to just be like, yep. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting because in the show, obviously, I think the actress who played her did did die. Um, Rest in peace. And I, I have to look that up. I might be incorrect, but I, I think she did, which is why they didn't feature her in any more episodes or anything. Um, But I would have to imagine that I don't know. She seems like a survivor. So it feels like she probably would still keep living. Although with everything that's going on with the Boltons and that's what I'm saying to the, the Boltons, gray, the gray joys and everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a guy. She I mean, fed that's, to that's the dogs. 
that's a great question. I mean, her, the the interesting thing about her is obviously she's connected to Hodor, uh, which we'll which we'll get to in our next in our next one too. Um, but she like because she doesn't know we don't know she talks about like I came you know when Brandon was here, but we don't know which Brandon because there's like a bunch of them, and mm-hmm. so we don't they don't even know. Ned says she was old when I was young. So, uh, you know what I mean? Like, we don't, like, we don't, we don't know. She's, she's been there as long as Ned has been there at least, certainly. So been there for quite some time. And, and, you know, I think in, if you judge by the age, so this happens like 90 years before Game of Thrones, right? And little water Frey is running around the Dunkin' Egg novels and he's young and he's in his late eighties, I think in the show. So she could have been. 16 24 around there maybe possibly whenever the first right. book is is taking place at a hedge night like that's mm-hmm. definitely possible yeah i mean so old nan the only thing it says it says she's born uh there's like an old nan there's like old nan calculations online right that, <laughs> that people that that is you know that that people have but ned says that she was old when he was young so ned you know ned is born in 263 which is that's still 30 years away from when she goes missing i think she's at probably the same age or just a little bit older or younger than aemon aemon is said to be the oldest man in the seven kingdoms however it says man and there's also a moment where someone says that Old Nan was the oldest person at Winterfell, maybe in all of the Seven Kingdoms. So there is a competition between Aemon and Old Nan to see who actually the oldest is. We don't know that which one is oldest for sure. Right. So here, the, here's the interesting thing, though. So the only because she said, you know, she said she was there to take care of a Brandon. So it could be, you know, like Ned's brother, but it seems quite likely that it was something before that. Before that. Yes. Right. And so really when you when you get to the only Brandons that we know of that are before that, they're all born. So there's one that's born, you know, and that's a rough estimate, uh, in around two twenty-three. So that uh, that's still seven years away from two thirty, but that does kind of get it closer. Yeah, maybe you could you could you could reconstruct the timelines. The only thing I have a problem with is a lady who is married into the Lannisters. Uh, still, even just that in itself is, is yeah, there has to be an answer for that. Like, there, like, and here's the thing. There's a chance that it was going to be explained late in a later Dunkin' egg book. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. possible. It's also possible. Well, you know what though, Matt, now I'm thinking about it though. The sworn sword, when did it come out? Which before which book or after clash Kings? Soren Sword would have been after Clash of Kings. So he was because Hedge Knight came out like with Clash of Kings. Okay, so So we know Storm Swords, Storm of Swords, and the Storm of Swords is where we get that Ghost of High Heart sloppy kiss line, and the Sworn Sword is where we get the information about the kiss between Weber and Dunk. The only thing that's weird about that is how do you go to being how how do you, like how do you go to being like a woods witch? I, you know I mean, like that's the I don't because it about seems the, like she has like mystical properties. So like I, that's part of the the thing that gets a little weird for me. Well, I don't disagree at all <laughs> that it that is a little bit right. weird. Um, but is it that big of a stretch 
to say that compared to saying that this lady that was married into Lannisters kind of high up becomes a milk. You know, milk. Well, see, I don't know about that. I think, I think, I think that's much more. I think that's much more likely. You think? Yeah, because if you want to go into say hiding, it's easy to do something that is just like a job that you know women would do. In, yeah, in time, I mean, in that time period, it, it is alluded to that there might have been like a family thing. Um, it, it might be why she needed to disappear, possibly. Um, I'm open. I'm open to it. it. Honestly, I was thinking that the Ghost of High Heart thing was pretty loose. The kiss thing felt loose to me until we kind of realized that Sworn Sword and a Storm of Swords were released around the same time. And we've been talking about how these are informing each other. So to me, that feels just slightly more compelling. Let me throw this one at you. Are you ready? I read online, someone thinks that Weber is the, goes to Essos and is the mother of Varys because they're both spiders. Oh. Bro. That could be interesting. Bro. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's another thing. It's like the spider. We don't know. I don't think we know. I don't think we know anything about Varys's. No, we just know that he was. Or... Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest, that one, the, other than the spider, like there's nothing there, but there has to be some significance to to that symbolism, right? Yeah. I guess it's also because a spider is supposed to kill the male, right? And that's kind of what Weber's she MO could, is. She could just run away because maybe the Lannisters are an awful house to be part of and she could be like Bran of Tar... Maybe her and Duncan meet up again and then she, so and then she marries into House Tarth and so then Bran's actually like from a bastard line. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, I, I don't think that it's unlikely that Dunk and her end up getting it on. I saw someone even suggest that Jenny of Oldstones might be the daughter of Dunk and Weber, which I don't know if that even works. Uh, but that would be why they haven't. All, they, all they've done so far, all they've done so far is kiss. I will say I do feel like Lady Weber's arc is probably going to end tragically or sad. As they that, usually do in this yeah. series. Because obviously we know she's not going to be end up with Dunk long long term, I would imagine, you know, mm -hmm. imagine, even though she may sort of fall in love with him. Because he still feels like seems like he's always just going to be looking for Tanzel. Will be mm. his will be his his real love. Because even when he's with Lady Weber, he's thinking, yeah, I'm thinking of Tanzel. Tanzel will be the one who got away. I still think she dies at Summerhall. Uh Weber's one he got away would probably be Dunk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there anyone with a braid in the main series that we're missing? I know Wheel of Time has them in spades, but Jesus, I'm trying to tug in that braid. I'm trying to think like of anybody in the Song of Ice and Fire that has a braid. I don't think there is any. Not that it comes to mind, at least. No, nobody that nobody that it's that sort of a specific. Yeah, thing, which is which is it, it is with her. Yeah, I mean, Lady Weber's disappearance is is certainly something I would be looking for in the new, next few uh, Duncan Eggtails if George ever gets them down, mm -hmm. um, or maybe possibly in the TV show even. So, big mystery to me, very big mystery. I need to know more. Yeah. Okay, uh, you have the next one as well, Jimmy. Yes, I do. Let's see if here. I can stumble my way through this one. Jeez. All right. Hodor is a descendant of Duncan the Tall. One of the most popular theories in the Song of Ice and Fire is that Old Man and Winterfell had romantic adventures 
with Sir Dunk the Tall. The plan Duncan Egg Tale, The She-Wolves of Winterfell, it is speculated to be the story where this romance happens. The outcome of that romance would be that Old Nan is the grandmother to Hodor, who we see at Winterfell in the main series. This entire theory hinges on a brand flashback that we see Bran describe as follows. There came a brown-haired girl, this would be Old Nan, by the way, slender as a spear who stood on the tips of her toes to kiss the lips of a young knight as tall as Hodor. With Brienne being confirmed a descendant of Dunk, there is more than likely other hints to further descendants of Dunk in the main series of A Song of Ice and Fire. And this scene relating this tall knight to who we presume would be, you know, Dunk the Tall, uh, relating him to Hodor seems like it is the hint that we were looking for that Hodor is not just a random person at Winterfell, but an actual descendant of Sir Dunk the Tall. Matt, I love this theory. I think it's true. Uh, I, I, definitely think that hodor is old nan's grandson and i definitely think it's dunk the tall i know we were talking about whether web weber is old nan without a doubt old nan and dunk knock boots like there's no question yes, yes 100 yeah this one i'm 100 percent on board with whether it is lady weber or not it doesn't matter really who old nan is at this at, at that point yeah i 100 percent believe that that's that's sir duncan sir duncan the tall because we know they it, go to winterfell at some point it's one of the it's it's one of the planned books and we know that it happens and then Bran sees it in one of these you know vi one of these dreams and visions which here again dunk showing up in another dream although this time it's not a dragon dream but again dragon dreams might just be green sight which could also tie in there as well so yeah i think i 100% believe that this one's accurate yeah i don't think it's very far fetched i don't think it changes that much either for the story other than just saying hey Check it out. And and I think it's relatively obvious that we're supposed to be looking for descendants of Dunk. Um, I think George even mentions that, that there might be other descendants of Dunk in the series. And I think that's why people ran and tried to find someone else. And Hodor uh, was an obvious choice. Uh, Dunk, Dunk was breaking backs all over Westeros. That's all Apparently. I'm saying. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is it also makes Hodor that much cooler. Right. Yeah, for it's, sure. It, it, it helps explain his power. You know, people think that House, that House Clegane could have hey. could could be descendants of Dunk the Tall. And I've actually I've actually got one I may add to the uh list uh, down the line actually about that uh that I read that I read today and it was quite convincing and uh, also incredible. I want to hear so it so, so bad. Yeah, I, it's I really, really good. It. I was like wow this one's really good. So we will have to add that one in too. But yeah if it, this one's for me, a hundred percent. Yeah. For me as well. And this, this is like, for me, this is like as accurate as our, this actually might, might be more ac accurate for me than like R plus L equals J. <laughs> You're still hanging on that Ashara Ned, huh? Well, I'm just saying, nah, you know, I, I, this one's like 99.99999 for me. It's also harmless. Uh, also yeah. never needs to be confirmed <laughs> as far as for me. Right. Cause like, we're never going to get confirmation in the actual series that Brienne is the, maybe we will maybe we will like it be spoken i doubt it though um wouldn't it be cool though if she gets knighted and they'd say like you're a descendant of sir dunk the tall who served in the king's mm -hmm. guard that'd be really cool um yeah it doesn't hurt the series in any way it doesn't make anything super duper convenient it's just a happenstance of a guy who traveled around and and, and did his thing which which i think is uh pretty cool and it also goes back to our dragon dreams and D sir dunk the tall being connected to all of these major points in history um 
not just the fact that Hodor ends up holding the door, but also Dunk at Summerhall and what kind of effect that had on Rhaegar being born at Summerhall, which probably led him to be more brooding and to look into his family's tragic past of this tragic event he was born at, which probably leads him to finding Aegon's prophecy, which leads to him wanting to take up sword and shield. And then we get a We get a song of ice and fire. Yeah. Crazy. Dunk is like a, a catalyst in ways. Absolutely. And he, yeah. And there's more, there's so much more we'll get to in the iceberg Matt. that you're just like, wow, he still might be doing stuff in the main series, which, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get to see is Sir Dunk the Tall the most important character in all the series? He's, I think he's up there. I, I mean, he's he's top five. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's as important as say like Blood Raven, perhaps. But he's, I mean, he's. But if Blood Raven in, couldn't in, see in, him coming, in terms of in terms of the whole, in terms of impacting, having the most impact about like the whole story, he's got he's got to be up there. I think I think so. I think he's one of the main players. He might be second only to to the Three Eyed Crow. Yeah. Just crazy. Without, without dunk, this 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 boat don't sail, boys. My yeah. goodness. Well, you guys keep waiting because we'll keep getting deeper and deeper here. So, I love this next one. Uh, here we go. All right. So the five champions of Ashford Meadow tournament theory. In the hedge night, Duncan Egg go to attorney held at Ashford to celebrate Lord Ashford's daughter's thirteenth name day. Lady Ashford has five champions fighting on her behalf, and anyone who defeats a champion ends up replacing their opponent as a champion for Lady Ashford. In the end, there are five champions who end up defending Lady Ashford. They are Lionel Baratheon, Leo Tyrell, Tybalt Lannister, Humphrey Harding, and Prince Valar Targaryen. If you look at the names of the champions' families and the fact that they fight for a 13-year-old maid, especially with the family Harding, we find out that they correspond directly with Sansa Stark's suitors in A Song of Ice and Fire. Sansa is first betrothed to Joffrey Baratheon. Sansa's then planned to be wed to Willis Tyrell. She is actually married to Tyrion Lannister, and she's now being betrothed to Harry Harding which leaves the fifth slot open for a Targaryen. This could end up being young Griff or perhaps even Jon Snow. I adore this. I love it. This is Germ 101 stuff, 100%. Mm -hmm. History repeats itself in strange ways. This is, this is facts to me and think about this is that this came out you know the hedge knight came mm -hmm. out with the clash of kings where she is then planned to be married to willis tyrell yes and way more prominently featured as a pov in the story mm -hmm. um, i'm so telling you that's what that's what makes it interesting right so so we think it's young griff most likely right I could see it going either way. Really? I could I could see it. now again, she doesn't actually have to be actually married to any of these people because the only person she's actually married to in the whole group so far is Tyrion. Yeah. Right. And you could even say, well, the whole thing doesn't count because Joffrey's not actually a Baratheon. Yeah. Right. And so he's, you know, he's he's actually not even a Lannister. He's a bastard. Um so <laughs> And I always forget because I feel like that's the one they don't ever say. You never hear anybody. What is it? What is it? It's not hill. It's rock or yeah, I think it's stone rock. or something. Stone, stone. Yeah. No, is, it, is stone the veil? I always forget. No, Edric Storm is the Stormlands. 
I think stone is the veil and like rock, but you, you never, you like, there is, you don't actually ever meet anybody who is a bastard of the veil. Yeah. So if, if we, the crown lands um, would be waters, Dorn would be sand, iron islands is pike, north is snow, reaches flowers, riverlands is rivers, stormlands is storm, veil of Aaron is stone, and westerlands is hill. Hill. Okay. So then we do meet some hills. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's, Jonah okay, Hill. Yeah, yeah. Don't go surfing. Right. Don't get mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. Yeah. So that's what he actually should be. Although I will say some other times they mess it up because they always say it's supposed to be, you know, you should actually be a bastard like of it's where you're born. And then they actually even dispute it in game of Thrones. Remember? Mm -hmm. uh, like they, they brand bring, like they bring it up when they find out that John's you know, actually a, you know, Targaryen, whatever. Yes. But nonetheless, the the theory goes. It, I mean, it goes right along with it. But yeah, it comes down to John or perhaps Young Griff would be your your biggest candidates. I mean, right now it seems most likely that it's going to be Young Griff. I think Young Griff makes a lot of sense, though. Though we've also talked about how Dorne has to kind of tie in um, to Young Griff as well. We we talked a lot about Marjorie Tyrell also being offered up and then being beheaded like Anne Boleyn because she does resemble Anne Boleyn in a lot of ways. Remember, uh, Lady Adrian had that nice theory and she kind of yes. connected them historically, which was really cool. I'd never heard anyone have that take and it's stayed with me since since I've heard her say it. Um, there's going to be a lot of suitors for young Griff when he gets on that throne. It almost makes you wonder if Peter Baelish would even dare to go back to the Red Keep. And if the Battle of the Bastards were to happen and John were to take Winterfell, does do the Knights of the Vale end up showing up and Sansa leading them like kind of like the show? And then they end up together. It's hard to say. It it really is. And I brought this up before. What I think is likely to happen is a Sansa chapter will end with her getting ready to go down to meet young Griff. And literally all that has to happen is Bela has to say, I think you should marry him. Right. Yeah. Like that's that, that in itself would, would, would fulfill the, the, the prophecy or yes. the, the, the theory or any, you know, any of that stuff, it any would, it sort of plans off. to marry away. I just, I, well, we did talk about if Baelish and, and Varys are a little bit more connected than it would seem. Right. Or maybe Baelish yeah. has been in contact with Illyrio. Illyrio is in Baelish, the Baelish may, Baelish may also not know that Varys has anything to do with young Griff. very true as well isn't a, it? a lot of people don't seem to have any idea that Varys is connected to them at all so that could be I think what I think is likely to happen oh I didn't have my mic there is that Baelish is going to propose it and a Sansa chapter will end with it and then we see the Knights of the Vale show up at like Winterfell because mm. that's just the way George writes is yes. he leaves the chapter on a big cliffhanger and then it's always like something else we always see like the next part of that chapter happening through somebody else's POV yeah, and the timelines are always weird and everything else. And uh, God, what a fun series to read! I love it's it so much fun. I love yeah, that and this, and this, yeah, and I, you know, I love that the Duncan Egg series is tying into it because that also means that there's more coming too. Yeah, we've <laughs> there's, said there's, that we would get more, a lot of answers. More, there's more theories that will come out of the Duncan Egg series when he does write more. Yes, and it, you know, I, obviously, wins the winners number one. But if he could squeak out. A Duncan egg. He might he? That's that's one thing we don't haven't talked about a lot. Is maybe we could put that out on the bottom the bottom tier. Is that it could be the thing holding Winds of Winners up? 
is because he likes to write these as he releases those other books. And maybe he's having actually having a harder time with Duncan Egg. He's like, well, I don't want to do this because it might mess up this. And I want to, you know, make sure I can release both. I feel like his priorities have to lay with the main series, but wouldn't you shit? Duncan Egg seems Duncan Egg seems pretty important to the main series. It Way is more well, it important is. than say like Fire and Blood, just his general histories. Yes, I would agree with that. I think the tie-in is is extremely important. Though I imagine whenever we have all everything said and done, that Fire and Blood will also have a lot of tidbits in there that like we could extrapolate maybe history repeating itself. I wonder, like, wouldn't you wouldn't you die if you know November twenty twenty four, like I've been saying forever, um, we get wins a winner, and it's and, you know I go to the midnight release, and then we find out that the Duncan Egg novella teaser is in the back, and. Oh, uh, God. And he's like, oh, yeah. And next month you get Duncan Egg. Oh, my God, that'd be huge. I'd die. Listen that to me just just coping. <laughs> just <laughs> huffing copium over here. Uh, I need to just be thankful if we get the book. Well, even the even if we get a, a TV series, uh, you know, that's still, that's still that's years too. and years away. So, yeah, for real. So. All right. Well, hey, that is our tier three. We'll be back next week with tier four and things are going to get really crazy. So, I mean, we turn, I guess you don't want to say you turned up the heat, right? Yeah. You, you got a little bit lower, right? So we're going to make it deeper into the ocean than that Titan sub did. So as we get on these <laughs> uh, theories here, so <laughs> I love yeah, it. So, all right. With that, we will be back next week. As always, want to thank you for playing the game of Thrones Next time, we will be back with Tier 4 of our A Night of Seven Kingdoms iceberg. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com or bendtheneepodcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, that winter is coming.